Hey there, readers. I know it's been a while, but I was just trying to find a really good book to end the school year with, and I think I found it. This book has been in the library for several years, and it's just one of those great, great books. I don't know if y'all read Mr. Terrupt yet, but it's right up there with it, in my opinion. Also, if you've read Out of My Mind, uh, any book like that, you're going to like this book. It is called Anything But Typical. It's written by Nora Raleigh Baskin, and Simon & Schuster Books for Young Readers is allowing me to read this book with you. Here's what the uh, inside jacket blurb says. Jason Blake is an autistic 12-year-old living in a neurotypical world. Most days, it's just a matter of time before something goes wrong. But Jason finds a glimmer of understanding when he comes across Phoenix Bird, who posts stories to the same online site as he does. Jason can be himself when he writes, and he thinks that Phoenix Bird, her name is Rebecca, could be his first real friend. But as desperate as Jason is to meet her, he's terrified that if they do meet, Rebecca will only see his autism and not who Jason really is. All right, guys, here we go with chapter one. Give me a chance here, okay? It's not a long book, so give me a chance and see what you think of the first several chapters. Chapter one. Most people like to talk in their own language. They strongly prefer it. They so strongly prefer it that when they go to a foreign country, they just talk louder, maybe slower, because they think they will be better understood. But more than talking in their own language, people like to hear things in a way they are most comfortable, the way they are used to, the way they can most easily relate to, as if that makes it more real. So I will try to tell you this story in that way. And I will tell you this story in first person. I, not he. Me, not him. Mine, not his. In a neurotypical way. I will try to tell my story in their language. In your language. I am Jason Blake. And this is what someone would say if they looked at me but could only see and could only hear in their own language. That kid is weird. He's in sped, you know. He blinks his eyes, sometimes one at a time, sometimes both together. They open and close, open and close, letting the light in, shutting it out. The world blinks on and off. And he flaps his hands like when he is excited or just before he's going to say something or when he is thinking. He does that the most when he's on the computer or reading a book, when his mind is focused on the words. It separates from his body, his body that almost becomes a burden, a weight. Wait! Only his fingers don't stand still while they wait. They flap at the ends of his hands, at the ends of his wrists, like insects stuck at the, on a string, stuck on a net, like maybe they want to fly away. Maybe he does too. In first grade, they put a thick purple rubber band across the bottom bar of his desk chair so Jason would have something to jiggle with his feet when he was supposed to be sitting still. In second grade, Matthew Iverson sent around a note saying, if you think Jason Blake is a retard, sign this. And Matthew got sent to the principal's office, which only made things worse for Jason. In third grade, Jason Blake was diagnosed with ASD, 
autistic spectrum disorder. But his mother will never use that term. She prefers three letter, three different letters, NLD, nonverbal learning disorder, or these letters, PDD-NOS, persuasive developmental disorder, nonspecific. When letters are put together, they can mean so much, and they can mean nothing at all. From third grade until this year, sixth grade, Jason had a one-to-one aide who followed him around school all day. She weighed 203 pounds. Jason asked her once and she told him, you couldn't miss seeing her. But the thing people see the most is his silence because some kinds of silence are actually visible. When I write, I can be heard and known. But nobody has to look at me. Nobody has to see me at all. School doesn't always go very well. It is pretty much a matter of time before the first thing of the day will go wrong. But today I've gotten far. It is already third period. Mrs. Hawthorne is absent and so we are going to the library instead of art class. This is a good sign. You'd think art class would be one of the easiest classes, but it's not. I mean, it's not that it's hard like math, but it's hard like P.E. A lot of space and time that is not organized. Anything can go wrong in that kind of space, but not in the library. There are computers in the library and books and computers, keyboards and screens and desks that are built inside little compartments so you don't have to look at the person sitting next to you and they can't look at me. When we go into the library, somebody is already sitting in my seat at my computer, at the one I want. Now I can't breathe. I want to log on to my storyboard website. I was thinking about it all the way here. I have already had to wait so long. I don't know. Jason, this one is free, the lady says. She puts her hands on my shoulders. This is a, this lady is a lady I should know, but her face looks a lot like other faces I don't know so well, and I group them all together. Her face is pinched, but her eyes are big, round like circles. Her hair doesn't move, like it's stuck in a ball. She belongs in the library or the front office or my dentist's office. But she is here now, so I will assume she is a librarian. I know from experience that she is trying to help me, but it doesn't. I can feel her weight on my shoulders like metal cutting my body right off my head. This is not a good thing. I also know she wants me to look at her. Neurotypicals like it when you look them in the eye. It is supposed to mean you're listening, as if the reverse were true, which it is not. Just because you're not looking at someone does not mean you're you're not listening. I can listen better when I'm not distracted by a person's face. What are their eyes saying? Is that a frown or a smile? Why are they wrinkling their forehead or lifting their cheeks like that? What does that mean? How can you listen to all those words when you have to think about all that stuff? But I know I will get in trouble if I don't look at the lady's eyes. I can force myself. I turn my head, but I will look at her sideways. I know the right words to use. Last year, Jane, my one-on-one, taught me to say, I am okay just as I am. I am okay just as I am. She told me I had to say something in this sort of situation. She said that people expect certain things. 
She said that people will misunderstand me if I don't say something. This is one of the many, many things I need to run through in my mind every time. Also, the things my OT, my occupational therapist, has taught me. Look people in the eye when you are talking, even if this makes it harder for you to listen. Talk even when you have nothing to say. That's what NTs do all the time. Try to ignore everything else around you, even when those things may be very important. If possible, put your head and your body back together and try very hard not to shake or flap or twirl or twitch, even if it means you feel worse to do this. Don't blink. Don't click your teeth. These are the things people don't like. These are the things they hear but can't hear. I am okay just as I am, I say, and I take a step forward. I want the librarian to take her hands off my shoulders. The weight of her hands is almost unbearable, like lead, like the lead apron the dentist puts on you to get an x-ray, a crushing rock when the technician counts to 10 and you can't move, or they will have to do it all over again. Also, I want to stand close, so there will be no confusion that I am next in line. The person at the computer turns around to the sound of my voice. It's a girl. Most girls look the same, and I can't tell one from the other. Long hair, earrings, different tone of voice. A girl. I don't know who this girl is, or if she already hates me, but chances are she does. The girl doesn't say anything, so I have to look at her face and figure it out. Her eyes are squinched up and her lips are pressed so tightly together they almost disappear. I recognize that she is unhappy or even angry, but I don't know why. You are breathing on me, she says. You're so gross. Gross could mean big or refer to a measurement or weight, but in this case, it doesn't. It means she doesn't like me. She is, in fact, repulsed by me which is how most girls react. My mom tells me not to worry. My mom tells me I will find a girlfriend one day, just like everyone else. I will find someone who sees how special I am. I know no girl will ever like me, no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try. But maybe I'm wrong. I hope so. I hope I am wrong and my mother is right. Usually I am right about these things. I was here first, Miss Leno, the girl says. Miss Leno is a librarian's name. Jason, here, sit here. You can use this computer, Miss Leno is saying. But I can't use that computer. I don't want to. I can't. My breathing is too loud inside my ears. I stiffen my body, solidify my weight, so she can't move me with her hands. You'd be surprised at how quickly people will try to move you with their hands when they don't get what they want with their words. I wish Jane were here with me right now, and then this wouldn't happen. Words don't always work. Jason, hold still. There's no need to get so upset. There are plenty of other computers. Miss Leno is trying to shift my weight off my feet, and she's trying to pretend she's not, as if she's just walking with me instead of pushing me, which is what she's doing. Jason, please, but she doesn't mean please. There is no please in anything Miss Leno is asking. She is pulling me. 
I feel off balance, like I'm going to fall. I need to shift my weight back and forth, back and forth, rock to stabilize myself. I can feel my chance to use my computer getting further and further away from me. There isn't even enough time left in the period. I might not get to log in at all. Even if this girl does get up, a hundred little pieces threaten to come apart. Jason, please calm down, calm down. Miss Leno's voice sounds like a Xerox machine. Sometimes there is nothing to hold me together. Chapter 2 There are some writers who know things and post them on the internet so other writers can learn them. Some of them say that there are only seven plots in the whole world. Man versus nature, man versus man, man versus environment, man versus machine, man versus the supernatural, man versus self, man versus religion. It could be a woman too, but they just say man in order to make it easier for themselves because they all seem to be able to understand it because they are all only speaking in their own language, not in NT language. But I can do that too, what I try very hard. It means man or woman versus nature, man or woman versus man or woman, and so on. Other writers say there are only three plots, happy ending, unhappy ending, and literary plot. That's the kind of ending that is uncertain. There is a whole book called 20 Master Plots, which I happen to own, and another author wrote that he thought there were 39 plots. But if you really ask me, there's only one kind of plot. One, stuff happens, that's it. This is what happens next. Come on, Maggie, get up. Give him that computer. You're not even doing anything. Now, Aaron Miller is standing behind me. Me, who is behind the girl who is using my computer. Miss Leno, behind both of us, still has her hands on my shoulders. If she doesn't let go, I don't know what will happen. But stuff usually always happens. I have known Aaron Miller since kindergarten, from back when I was the same as everyone else. You might not have even picked me out of a crowd. Nobody was very good at anything back then, and a lot of kids did weird things and didn't know enough to hide them. Charlie Carl wet his pants seven times that year. Chelsea Gray got caught sneaking into the cubbies and stealing the meat out of all the sandwiches she could find. Liza Duchamps picked her nose and ate it during circle time. Now that same girl is running for sixth grade class president. Aaron Miller was my friend in kindergarten. I'd like to say he still is, but by definition, I can't. He hasn't come to my house in five years. He hasn't invited me to his birthday party since second grade. I'm pretty certain I'm not on Aaron Miller's buddy list, even though he is on mine. But he always is nice to me, and when I sit at his table at lunch, he will talk to me. He doesn't get angry when I don't talk back the same way. Anyway, you're not supposed to be playing games on the computer, Maggie, Aaron says to the girl. The girl's name is Maggie. What is it your business, the girl Maggie says, but she stops her typing and looks at Aaron. Everything is my business, Maggie, and you're just being stubborn. You're being mean. I'm not mean. Maggie immediately signs off and closes the window she has open on the screen. Then she takes her fingers off the keyboard and pushes her chair back. It screeches, but I don't move out of the way. I might be mistaken about what she's doing. 
I'm not. It's all yours, J-Man, Aaron says. But there are only 23 minutes left in the period. Ow, Maggie says. But I know I didn't do anything that could have hurt her. I'm just sitting down. She's just standing up. I want to say thank you to Aaron, but I need to claim my seat first, just in case someone else comes over and takes my turn from me. That has happened many times before, and then all this work would have been for nothing. I need to open my website because the computers at school are slow, and this will take time too. The sooner you can begin something, the sooner it is done. I'm logging in. That's very nice of you, Maggie, I hear Miss Leno saying. I'm sure Jason appreciates it very much. The storyboard homepage rolls onto the screen, bit by bit, from the top down. I had to get special permission to go to this website. My mother had to write a letter, and even the principal, Dr. T, had to approve. And then the librarian, who was not Miss Leno, but the one before her, unlocked the, unblocked the site for me. The school had to validate that all storyboard users are under 17 and that the site is monitored. There is a storyboard site for adults, but that one is completely separate. Now all I had to do is type my screen name and password, but Miss Leno has not walked away the way she should. She is still standing nearby. Usually she walks around the library asking kids if they need help, or she sits behind her desk and checks out books or goes into the back room, and I don't know what they do back there, but I wish she would go now. I will focus on my storyboard screen name and password. There are only 22 minutes left in this period, and I need to see if I got a response to my last posting. Miss Leno makes a scratchy sound from her throat while the final graphics for my website start to load on the screen. She still has not walked away. I'm trying to remember my list of things a person can want, but doesn't tell you what it is. Sometimes they just want to say something, and they are waiting for you to look at them before they will say it. That is often the case, but Miss Leno was already doing a lot of talking without me looking at her, so that's probably not it. Sometimes people stand around when they are waiting for you to do or say something. Something they think you should do or say. So they just wait, like that's going to help you understand what it is they want you to say or do. Doesn't. And I'm sure Jason wants to say thank you, don't you, Jason? Miss Leno finally gets it out. I want so badly to check my story posting. I'm very grateful that Aaron helped me to get on my computer. But now I just really want to view my website, and I don't understand what Miss Leno wants me to do. I can't say thank you to Aaron. He's not here anymore. I can hear his voice. He is all the way across the room by the card catalog now. I get up. I could lose my computer all over again. Does she want me to say thank you to Maggie? Maggie doesn't want me to talk to her. Even Miss Leno must know that. Besides, she didn't want me to get up and give me the computer. She just didn't want Aaron not to like her. All I need to do is log on and scroll down to my entry. If someone has written to me, there will be a number next to my name. All I can do is keep my eyes on the screen. Well, Mr. Blake, showing a little appreciation would go a long way with our fellow classmates, Miss Leno says. Her voice is angry, but she is walking away. 
showing? How do you show appreciation? Appreciation is an emotion. It's a feeling. You can't draw a picture of it. Why do people want everyone to act just like they do, talk like they do, look like they do, act like they do? And if you don't, if you don't, people make the assumption that you do not feel what they feel. Then they make the assumption that you must not feel anything at all. Last chapter today, guys. Chapter 3. Every morning I get up, a word pops into my head. Usually just before breakfast. Just before breakfast and right after I brush my teeth. Or just as I'm brushing my teeth. Sometimes I know what the word means and sometimes I don't. I say it out loud. It could be a hard word or it could be an easy one. This morning is confluence. I watch myself in the mirror and I hear the word confluence. I'm not sure what confluence means. I have an idea, but I'm not sure. I think it has something to do with coming together, a confluence of ideas. I think I have heard that expression. I say it out loud, confluence. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm thinking that if I didn't talk and I didn't move, if I held my hands at my sides and stood very straight, I'd look like any other 12-year-old boy. My hair is short and dark. My eyes are nicely formed and light brown in color. My mouth is normal, my lips an even shape. My skin is good, my teeth are white, my ears don't stick out, and I know they are clean. Even though I can't see them, I clean them every day. Confluence, like two rivers coming together. I am like a leaf on a river, riding along the top of the water, not quite floating, not quite drowning. So I can't stop, and I can't control the direction I'm going. I can feel the water, but I never know which way I'm heading. But I might feel lucky this day, and avoid the sticks and branches scratching and pulling me. My dad tells me there's no such thing as luck, good or bad. My dad is the guy who puts the words up on the television while you are watching a basketball game or a football game or sometimes baseball. He sits in a trailer outside the arena or the stadium or the field and watches everything on a screen while he types into a computer. He puts up the score, the names, the stats, and interesting facts that his producer tells him. So he watches a lot of sports and he says there is no such thing as luck. Life is what you make it, my dad says. My mother is a different story. That is an expression. She herself is not really a story. Being able to understand abstract expressions like that is a sign of intelligence. IQ tests are filled with them, like people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, or a penny saved is a penny earned. Part of the scoring on the test depends on how well you can understand and interpret those things. Lots of neurotypicals don't even understand them, but I do. My mother wants to help me. She wants me to be happy, and I think my mother wants to fix me. She wants me to be more like her, even though she doesn't seem so happy a lot of the time. And if she can't fix me, at least she wants to explain how I got like this. So she is looking for a reason, a reason to explain me. It could be the mercury in the DPT vaccines, a wayward chromosome, a mutated gene, Too much peanut butter eaten during the first trimester. Not enough oxygen during delivery. Not enough peanut butter? Is there such a thing? Smoking during pregnancy. But my mother doesn't smoke. Maybe it's the air pollution, or the fertilizers in the vegetables, or hormones in the milk, acid rain, global warming. Maybe it's 
rays coming out of the television or the microwave. Or maybe it's just me. One of the two responses to my story is from someone who calls themselves Nick79, which I think it might be Nick or Nikki, but people like to spell things differently online because maybe your real name, the way you spell it, is already taken. My story is about a man, the story I posted on the storyboard website under the category miscellaneous, which is where you post anything that is not true fan fiction. All my stories are original. The majority of the fan fiction postings are continuations or retellings of someone else's story, or even movies or television shows like Harry Potter or Star Wars or CSI or Pirates of the Caribbean and the Gilmore Girls. But my stories are all originals, so they don't get as many hits. My story is about a man. I write a story about a man who can't talk because he has a giant tumor growing in his throat. He was born with it, but nobody knows that. So they just think he's really stupid and that he doesn't have anything to say. So he lives alone at the edge of his village where he carves fantastic figures out of wood. Sailing through the air, a tiny hummingbird well, he figures out of wood, like little bears juggling and fish jumping up out of the water, sailing through the air, a tiny hummingbird drinking from a flower. And then he carves a little boy for himself to have as a friend, even though, of course, the wooden boy can't talk either. I know I borrowed a little from the Pinocchio idea, and I hope nobody will notice that, but they don't have a Pinocchio category anyway. I clicked to open the first comment on my story. Nick. 79 writes, great story, keep writing. The second comment is from Phoenixburg, but I decided to wait until I get home from school to open it. It is like saving the last piece of candy from your Halloween bag, which you shouldn't do because it gets hard and sticks to the wrapper. And even if you can pick all the paper off the slimy candy when you try to eat it, it hurts and gets caught in your teeth for a really long time. But that's probably not what I really mean, since eating old Halloween candy doesn't sound good at all. All right, readers, thanks for listening to this first installment. Um, I hope that you'll listen to it, and I hope that you'll give me another chance to uh, read some more to you before you decide thumbs up or thumbs down. Keep reading out there. Bye!